Welcome to another gorgeous episode of The Spiritual Psychologist. In Before we go into this episode today, I would like to share with you a gorgeous program that I have just launched called The Expansion Code. I am a creator. I create programs and they are so beautiful. I love receiving, you know, what is being shown to me um, by the universe and following my soul to create programs. And this is what this program is about. The Expansion Code is about tapping into your soul expansion. So our trauma and emotional wounds and conditioned belief systems can mean that we limit ourselves. We stay stuck in things that don't serve us. We stay stuck in jobs that we don't feel happy in. Um, We stay stuck in feeling that we're not good at relationships or that we are never going to heal our relationship with food, whatever it is. And it can prevent us from accessing a future vision. So the Expansion Code is a group program over six months where we are going to be clarifying and stepping more into that vision and creating a pathway towards it, creating a pathway towards it whilst also working with our emotional wounds and trauma. So it's going to be a sisterhood space. We're going to come together to work through all of these things that are coming up for us. Maybe you have already created something, but you are having blocks with it, right? Maybe you've signed up to a course and you're not managing to complete it or you know what you want to do, but there's procrastination blocks. So it's going to be such a wonderful space. There's going to be accountability. um, There's going to be teaching and coaching and lots of sisterhood support. So if you want to know more about it, reach out on Instagram at the spiritual underscore psychologist or send me an email, rathika at thespiritualpsychologist.co.uk. And I hope that you enjoy the episode today. Welcome everybody to episode three of the addiction season, the spiritual psychologist podcast. And I'm really excited for this episode today. I have Ronnie Landis with us, who is a leading expert in holistic health, natural nutrition and human potential. He powerfully supports driven entrepreneurs, athletes, performers, executives and influencers to perform at their best mentally, emotionally, and physically. And I've invited Ronnie on today to talk about social media addiction, not just social media addiction, but also addiction to our phones. You know, the other episodes that I've done in this season have kind of been focused on um, things like addiction to drugs, addiction to food, and often like we can miss such a huge I guess like problem that is so evident or challenge Uh that is so evident in I would say like the majority of people's lives today which is that addiction to our phones and social media and 
I just think it's so important to explore what is going on there. Um, but I'd love for you to share a little bit about yourself, Ronnie, and how you've kind of, I guess, got to where you are now doing what you're doing, because um, I'm sure that our audience would love to hear that. Sure. Thank you for having me. And it's quite a long story, so I'll, I'll save a lot of details. So I was raised in martial arts and athletics, so I was always an athlete, always interested in high performance. Mm. And I, so I come from a <clears throat> I come from an integrative background when it comes to you know the physical body, the mental body through philosophy, mental training, meditation. I guess now what we would call breath work. I was exposed to that kind of thing when I was younger, just through my martial arts and athletic training. And uh, when I was about eighteen years old, I had my first knee injury, which translated to a knee surgery from overtraining, and. That, that caused me to have to really start to go more internal and have to look more at the, uh, I'd say, the more internal and psychological aspects of my training and also to go into rehabilitation um, and more of a therapeutic aspect of physical mm-hmm. health. And so that kind of opened up the door for years later when I got into natural nutrition and I started looking at holistic healing as a way to first heal myself, yes. you know, to, you know, I had the doctors telling me that I was never going to heal and it was a bad injury and I should start looking at other career options. And at that time, martial arts was everything to me. I, I was an Olympic hopeful and I was training to make the Olympic team. And um, so, you know, I, I, I couldn't oh, hear that wow. and I wouldn't hear that's, a, dis- that. that's so, a distressing thing to go through at the age of 18. Yeah, because what else am yeah. I going to do with my life at that age? That's all I could see, literally. Mm. And so, you know, I just took all that energy and I just focused it on learning and adjusting my perspective to see like, okay, how do I heal myself? How do I rehabilitate myself? How do professional athletes how do they do this when they have knee injuries or they have any kind of injuries? And so I just took that on, and luckily I was exposed to YouTube University, mm-hmm. and <laughs> and uh, I could really just educate myself, and that just kind of led me into the natural healing movement. Mm. And that's when I got into natural foods. I got into the raw food lifestyle. I got into cleansing and detoxing and green vegetable juicing, and that really opened up an entire corridor of new possibilities for me. And you know, I, I healed my knees. I, I went through an entire healing process, which I won't go into the whole story on that, just to kind of save time. But it was a profound process that I went through. And I essentially, not only did I heal my knees, but I also had a consciousness awakening at the same time. Wow. Which is, which is pretty common when you come from a standard American diet, which is basically just like a, a processed, domesticated pet food diet, you know, um, essentially. And so I got off all of that and I got into real food and I got into cleansing my body, which essentially helped me cleanse my mind. Mm. And it opened me up to a different possibility for my life and what I could be doing with my life. And, um, that, you know, that was about, I want to say that was, uh, 14 years ago or so, it seems, and uh, 
Yeah. So anyways, long story short, I got into natural health and that started to lead me down a long, long rabbit hole over the years of really understanding the the healing process. Mm-hmm. You know, first to start out like healing the physical body, yeah. but then it, it led me into understanding psychology and psychological development and psychic trauma. And, you know, down the rabbit hole there it led me into emotional trauma and childhood trauma and understanding, you know, what really plagues the human condition. You know, what do we go through as human beings physically, emotionally, psychologically, and also spiritually? And there's a lot that we could talk about, but just in short, that kind of just helped me understand that if you want to heal the body, you also have to heal the human being at the same time. Yes. Everything that you said then about the psychological, emotional, spiritual elements right that it's it's the whole the whole being isn't it yeah it's the whole human being right and what's happening in the body is really just a symptom of what's happening downstream at a deeper level so it's so the body is really just a feedback system to let you know what's going on either psychologically emotionally or spiritually or all of the above because nothing's really separated we just kind of compartmentalize different things as like okay this is a physical ailment this is a psychological ailment this is an emotional ailment a spiritual ailment that they're all they're all essentially layers on top of each other mirroring back to us a deeper a deeper misalignment Mm. and i just got interested in unpacking that first for myself to really understand myself even better but then I just saw within clients and people that I talked to that whatever physical issues they had going on there was a reason why some people healed and a reason why some other people didn't heal and they could really theoretically be doing the same thing but be getting different results and that led me down the really understanding trauma and that I'm sure we'll, we'll probably end up talking about that some more, but that, that became more recently has become much more of a focus mm. for me. I realized that the, the physical addictions are really just coping mechanisms. Absolutely. It's, it's so interesting because this is what is missing from, I guess, the traditional world of, I guess the medical medicalized system and how physical ailments are generally looked at, right? There's no connection made in general to what is going on at a deeper level, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. And, you know, I can relate to what you're saying that, you know, it's been, to me, it's been mind blowing, like the clients that, um, that I've worked with that, you know, they, there's kind of these physical issues that they're experiencing alongside what is happening. And when they do the emotional work, they find then that actually they don't have the digestive issues anymore. They don't, you know, they right. don't kind of, they're not then experiencing um, the sense of exhaustion or whatever it is. So I totally agree with like, you know, the approach that you're using But just to what I was asking everybody that came onto this podcast at the beginning of this is what does addiction mean to you? What does it mean to you? 
there's a few different answers I guess I could I could use. I mean, what does addiction mean to me? Okay, well, I'll just give you my my actual perspective on yeah. it. Just like at the at the at the, like the, the most fundamental level, because we are talking about like a spiritual perspective. Mm. To me, and I talked about this in my book, the addiction free lifestyle. To me, what an addiction actually is, an addiction is a form of karma. Mm. So if you look at it from from more of a Buddhist in a Buddhist like Hindu type of perspective, we we you know we hear these things like karma and dharma, and and people get all kind of like caught up in like oh you know my karma is oh it's just the the my punishment or my my penance or the debt that I have to pay off that that to me is is a kindergarten explanation mm-hmm. of of spirituality. What the way that I look at karma and addiction tied together is that the our quote-unquote karma is not like the result of the thing Mm -hmm. our karma is the thing it's actually the addiction cycle that we're in is we're in a we're in like the wheel of samsara from a buddhist perspective Mm -hmm. right like we're on the wheel of suffering that's actually what an addiction is it's it's endless it's a loop we're in a looping pattern of chasing pleasure to avoid pain yes and so so karma is the inauthentic expression of our shadow nature say it again so explain that a bit more so the karma is an inauthentic expression of our shadow our shadow or like our repressed shadow Mm -hmm. nature that hasn't been brought fully into the light and integrated so it's basically the parts of us the addiction reflects the parts of us that are unhealed the parts that bring us shame the deeper levels of pain that we're feeling and yeah I totally I love your explanation there that it's the cycle of you know the pleasure the short-term pleasure to avoid the pain Right. And, and so there's also like, um, you know, there's also a neurobiological interpretation of that from a dopamine perspective. Mm-hmm. So what, what makes something addictive is helpful to understand. What makes something addictive is the amount of dopamine that's immediately produced in the brain and also how easily accessible that thing is. Mm-hmm. So so there's like a few lo- levels that you can answer the question from, but they, they all they all translate to the same kind of phenomenon, which is that we're in a loop. Yeah. We're looping back and forth. And there's, there's like, um, there's a certain impulse craving or catalyst that triggers us getting onto the loop. And, and you, you, you said it before, which is that it's really a shame and guilt mm. cycle from an emotional perspective. Mm. There's always shame and guilt that that is like kind of the glue that keeps it going and then it leads to a lack of self-worth self-trust self-respect self-confidence and it it erodes our character over time which actually reinforces the coping mechanism Mm -hmm. we have to cope with the emotional erosion if you will um, and, but we don't really understand what's going on. We just know that we're feeling sensations in our body and that we're trying to cope with the sensations because maybe we don't have better tools to do it. Yeah. And Gabor Mate, Gabor Mate has a really great quote to, just to kind of c- encapsulate all this, which is that 
addiction is not your problem. An addiction is an attempt to solve yes, a problem. Absolutely. So yeah. with relation to the karma bit, so the karma is the cycle, the cycle of suffering, the cycle of pain that you kind of enter. So if you come out of this cycle from that spiritual perspective, what is the result for your karma? Oh, beautiful. Okay, that, that's an amazing question. I, I love, no, I never get to talk about this stuff, so <laughs> this is great. Um, so you have, you, you have the, the, the topic of karma, but then you have Dharma, right? Mm -hmm. And so, so karma is the inauthentic expression of the shadow, mm -hmm. which ultimately leads us into an inauthentic path. Yeah. Then Dharma is the authentic expression of our true nature, which leads us to our authentic path. Yes. Yeah. And so. The, the idea is that we don't polarize one against the other, but we have to integrate the two sides of our nature, the shadow and the light together. And then that, that creates, that creates this, this like emergence of our yes, true self. It creates wholeness. It creates yeah, wholeness exactly. and acceptance of all parts of our being. So in that space, then you're no longer, carrying around shame you know so so all yeah. part when all parts of you are accepted there's nothing to you are just you there's nothing to hide right right see that that's key what you just said there is key because the shame and the guilt comes from hiding yes. so we're we're hiding a part of ourselves away even from ourselves. Mm. And so we have to bring it to the light and there's, you know, whatever kind of therapies or, you know, whatever support or guidance that people get through that process. But ultimately it's a confrontation with oneself, being able to look oneself in the mirror and assess and take inventory through radical honesty and truth of like what's working, what's not working. Same thing you would do if you build building a business, right? If you, you can't just like ignore the numbers, mm. you can't just, things otherwise they swell up into the point where you can't ignore it and, and unfortunately that's what happens for most of us because of our trauma because of our our fear of looking at what's actually going on and again that's because of the loop it's just this this loop that we're in so what what we need to do is step off the merry-go-round yes. step off the step off the loop and then start to objectively just look at what's going on, look at the cause and effect of things. And then the, you know, that that's a difficult process. Yeah. It's, it's difficult for a few reasons. It's difficult, you know, just because facing your fears is never easy, but that's just, that's, that's step one. That's not really the, the biggest mm -hmm. part. The, the harder part is because through addiction, we also, our brain develops its own addictive patterns as well. Mm. And I call it the addicted brain. And we have to go through a process of actually healing the, the dopaminergic, serotonergic system of the brain that has literally become addicted to certain external or exogenous substances, activities, patterns, people, social media. And it generates, it, it triggers the reward and pleasure centers of the brain 
Yeah. And that, that's a whole long thing. But essentially, our dopamine system has to be reset and rebooted because we're going to we're not going to be able to fully make our way across that bridge if we don't understand the the neurochemical and neuropathway aspect um, of this yes. conversation. Because yeah. I think like, you know, when people enter these addictive patterns, so if we kind of link this up to phone addiction, social media addiction, the way that you can be left feeling is what is wrong with me? Why can't I stop yes. this behavior? Like I know this myself, right? <laughs> I'll put my hand up and say that, you know, I have been through periods of just sitting there waking up in the morning, scrolling on my phone, and then the next thing, like an hour's gone by, and I could have meditated, I could have taken the dog for a walk, I could have journaled, you know, and then I and then I kick myself, because I'm like, okay, well, I've not had that good grounding practice, I've already entered huge kind of um, input into my brain, around like oh what's this person you don't even notice that you're doing it what's this person doing oh how many people have liked my post how many people have viewed my story who's viewed my story and you it's just like (laughs) what have people put today on women's international day or whatever it is right and you entered the there's so much information that enters and you've lost yourself you know you've lost your like that that dharma bit right You've lost your dharma in that in that moment because you've been flooded. So I think it's so helpful to like to get this understanding of what actually happens from I guess as simple as possible. <laughs> I know that I can get lost with like the neuro kind of psychology side of things. Um yeah. But yeah, could you explain it in like a simpler way as possible as to what it is that happens? So when you do pick up your phone in the morning, you turn it on. What What is it that goes on? Okay, well, it's going to be different for everyone depending on their level of chemical codependency. Okay. And also on it's going to depend on your level of presence versus automated kind of unconscious behavior. Yes. Those are key things because what you just explained, this happened to me this morning too. And I was just like, and I'm way more disciplined now and I have way more of an awareness. And so even as I'm going on Instagram (laughs) and I started scrolling, I was just like, I could feel it. I'm just more sensitive to it now. Um, You know, there's a number of things that are happening. Again, it just depends on your presence. When you're scrolling, it puts you in this like automated state where you're you're now you you kind of check out a little bit because who actually scrolls with intention mm. who actually starting to scroll with like an intent to seek out some meme or to seek out somebody's post if you do you're going to go and yeah. search up their name and, and there, there's going to be a little more of an intentionality if you're checking your messages if you're going on to make mm. a post or some kind of purpose yes. right most of the time, though, we hop on these these apps and we kind of just give our currency, which is the current of our attention and energy. Mm-hmm. And our, our attention is the currency for these these platforms. Yeah. And we, we essentially become the product. Mm-hmm. So, so when it comes to that, you just want to be aware of like, okay, what's my purpose? What's my intention for using this? 
And I have a whole protocol on, on how to, you know, reset and reboot from social media, from a dopamine perspective. But what, but just to answer your question, what's essentially happening, which is similar to any other substance, because these platforms have become drugified. Mm. It's drugified connection or, or virtual connection, I should say. And so when you go on to social media, um, there is the, there is like um, there's a lighting up of the pleasure and reward system in yeah. the brain, which is also the same system that governs pain as well. We can get into that a little mm-hmm. bit later. So when you say your post gets like you get these notifications and you see these numbers and these flickering lights and all mm-hmm. these colors, right? Yeah. Now you're. Yeah. I, I need to mention this, and people are gonna like. I think people are gonna get this. So your brain doesn't have context for what's real and what's not Mm. real. That's the executive center of your brain that can distinct between reality or a good choice and a poor choice. But if, if that system in the brain has been down regulated because of dopamine dependency and other things, addiction, Mm. then we get stuck in what's called our limbic brain, which is all about pleasure and reward. Yes. So then you end up in that cycle of like, this feels rewarding, this feels rewarding, this feels rewarding on loop. (laughs) It's like, like, okay, so another thing I want to say about this too with dopamine, dopamine governs your motivational neural networks in the brain. What that means is that motivation, willpower, and drive is entirely governed by your dopamine system. So the hijacking of our dopamine system through any means of addiction is that we get our brain gets it gets tied to short term immediate gratification. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it's like so. So here's the equation to think about. If and this ties back into the whole like the the dopamine addiction thing. The more dopamine that floods our brain with with the most immediate access creates an addictive tendency. So if we have that much access to dopamine flooding without having to actually work for Mm -hmm. it, we get a false sensation of reward. And then we start to chase immediate gratification versus delayed gratification and that, and so the brain actually neurochemically gets addicted to these short bursts mm. that it associates as pleasure and reward, where in reality, things that actually create the results that we want in our life, health, vitality, mental, emotional well-being, gen, you know, relationships, mm. like business, goals, whatever it may be. Things, fitness goals, things that actually require effort and long-term planning and consistency, that mechanism gets removed and it becomes even harder for us to actually focus on long-term goals because the brain has been has been wired to to get the same response, but from short-term immediate stimulation. So I guess it creates this block. Is there also a block around the sense of dopamine? I guess the dopamine hit that you would get from those long-term results. Does it numb that? 
Yes, yeah. <laughs> you, you nailed it. Exactly what happens. It, it so it, it numbs the dopamine receptors, and so they become blunted over time. Wow. And so you're not able. So it increases the tolerance load of the thing that your brain is getting the dopamine mm. spike from. It lowers the dopamine baseline, so you need more of it just to feel normal. Not even to feel yeah. good. Like who feels good on social media at this point? <laughs> Nobody. But and with all the censorship and stuff, it's not. It's kind of just a weird mm. environment. But still, it's like the brain needs that quick boost just to feel regulated or normal, but we don't get any pleasure from it. Here's the other thing that happens too. All of a sudden we're not able to experience pleasure from normal things in our life, Mm -hmm. like having a conversation, going for a walk, reading a book. People say, Oh, well people's attention spans aren't that high anymore. It's like, well, yeah, that's a problem. We probably should actually, Instead of like making these little soundbite clips and throwing them on Instagram or these these like fifteen minute podcasts mm-hmm. just to get people attention, we probably actually need to figure out why that is. And it's because people are not able to they're not able to derive pleasure yeah. from things that would normally normally be uh yeah, would normally be That's so interesting because I was reading recently on somebody's post that, you know, it's some kind of social media, how to create good content or whatever. And they were saying on there that like now the attention that it will that will hold on social media is like six to seven seconds. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my gosh, like what is going on there? You know, so that explains it so well. And. Oh, yeah, it's just um, so much is like clicking, so much is clicking. And I think, like I said, like, I think this is so important for people to know, because you can just end up going into these cycles of punishment as well around it that like, you know, what the hell is wrong with me? Like, why can't I get my shit together? You know, this is just another part of me that has failed. And it's just another way of like feeling that sense of failure when you've already, you know, and when, when I guess the people that come to us already have like those layers of, you know, self, high levels of self-criticism or self-doubt or whatever it is of trauma. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I yeah. guess what it does essentially with relation to trauma is that it keeps you in a state of disconnection because that's what trauma totally. is, isn't it? You are you become disconnected from your core being, from your true your true sense of self and who you are, and it keeps you in that state of disconnection. And I guess what has happened as well is that it's so normalized, it's so normalized, and so it's kind of like, well, I don't have an addiction to drugs. Um, I don't have an, you know, things could be a lot worse, right? Things could be a lot worse and they could be, couldn't they? But it's, it's highly damaging. Like I have seen the impact of it with my, in my relationship with my son, you know? So he has said to me um, in the past, like, you know, even now, sometimes he will say, get, can you get off your phone? Or like, oh, you're on social media again, or something like that. And what is happening there is that he is trying to communicate with me 
And what I'm communicating to him is that the screen is more important than him, you know, and that my attention, um, that he's not receiving, you know, the attention that, that he needs. So it's, you know, and I'm aware of it, right? I'm, I'm aware of it and I've created changes around it. But yeah, there's so many kind of, I guess, damaging levels that of this that people aren't aware of, you know, the impact of it and the impact on your sense of self as well, like your self-esteem and that comparison that you get caught up in as well. So where would you start? Like, I know you have this dopamine reset um, program. Like, for the people listening today to this um, episode, where do you start with this? Like, you know, at the end of the day, it's an addiction, isn't it? So it's, you know, it's scary. Like, people find it scary. It sounds silly, in some ways, but it's all, I, I can also relate to it. Like what, if, if you said to somebody like, just um, turn your phone off for like 16 hours or whatever, the fear that can come up around that is real, right? Because then it's like, okay, yeah. I have to sit with myself. What's that going to look like? Yeah. Um, so yeah. What, where do you start with it? Like, do you, you know, is that the approach we should take that we just remove it? Like how, what, what is the approach that you use with people who work with you? Okay. Yeah. So I have a 30 day, it's called the 30 day ultimate dopamine reset program, a guide to your life. And so it's, it's a life lifestyle transformation program with the context of a dopamine reset. And the, the honest truth at this point in time is that in my opinion, after doing, you know, being in the health field for 12 years, in a full working with people on a full spectrum of, of issues. Mm. What I'm convinced of now is that unless we all go through some form of modified dopamine resetting program, and we implement that as a, as a regular cleanse in our life, um, we're, we're going to continue to suffer the effects of dopamine depletion and dopamine addiction. Um, so, you know, there's an entire lifestyle protocol in the program and happy to talk about that more later. I I do really want to encourage people to take a look at that website and really, really consider either being part of it or taking a look at the website and deriving some value Mm -hmm. out of it. Now, the basic approach there, it's a different, it's a, a slightly different protocol for each thing. Let's say, for example, somebody is trying to get off caffeine that has its own particular approach. If it's it's tobacco or cigarettes, if it's alcohol, Mm. if it's social media, if it's things like cannabis or other substances, if it's sugar or processed foods, et cetera, et cetera, those all have particular supplemental protocols that I include in the program because each one of those things uniquely affects the brain and the Mm -hmm. body. Um, so, so there's that, but then there's also kind of just this universal theme, which is that in the reset itself, you have essentially three different phases. The first 10 days is the reset phase, and that's basically an abstinence process. Yes. And you can't, and what I've learned is that moderation actually doesn't work in this mm-hmm. process. Now, now, a little bit different, but because 
dopamine controls motivation and willpower, you have to reset those circuits. And there's going to be a few days at least where you don't feel motivated and you don't feel super positive and you may feel like those underlining emotional um, sensations that you're afraid to feel, you're going to have to go through it. You're going to have to. It's, it, that's just I can't sugarcoat it for anybody. So because you've been essentially that. like numbing yourself. You know, it's like with addiction, yeah. you're you're numbing yourself, you're detaching yourself, you're disassociating, you're becoming disembodied, right? And so then the taking exactly. away of that leads you to your pain. It leads you to the suffering that needs to be faced, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. And so with but with that said. Within within that process, I provide a roadmap on how to navigate mm-hmm. that. Because essentially what you're doing is that you're removing something and including something else in its place. So where, where most people have a hard time with addiction and recovering from addiction is that, you know, they, they don't know the nutritional and supplemental aspects of how to rebuild the brain's neurotransmitter system or the, the microbiome gut or certain health practices they they don't have like a fitness or movement yeah. or yoga type of activity to to implement you know d- different things of this nature so essentially you're creating a new lifestyle out of the old one and you're replacing old habits with new habits that are not you know are not dopaminergically stimulating but actually lead you to rebuilding your dopamine system and getting healthy dopamine from things that actually create the long-term results mm-hmm. that you want. So what kind of replacements do you talk about? What do you recommend? It, it depends on the thing. Um, I mean, you essentially, you, you have to learn how to regulate your mm-hmm. nervous system. Mm-hmm. That's, that's number one, because essentially what's happening with the numbing and the, the medicating and the, the sedating ourselves all the time is that we have a dysregulated nervous yeah. system. We're either stuck in fight, flight, or freeze, the stress response. And we have to learn how to self-soothe and self-regulate our operating system. And so you when you're going through this, I also teach people about breath work and how to and how to regulate their body's nervous system. So when you experience uncomfortable sensations that are going to emerge in the mm-hmm. body, you can attach the story because that's usually what gets us in trouble and yeah. keeps us on the suffering loop is the stories that we have about why we feel the way we do. And so when you implement things like meditation and breath work and journaling, while also doing the supplemental protocols to make sure that your brain chemistry is balanced, it keeps you out of that depression yes. zone so you can start to use these tools to actually inquire deeper into what's going on inside yes. of me what how am i feeling what am i what am i feeling like why what's going on here let me actually investigate what's going on inside of my own body instead of being afraid of it and there's there's certain regulation tools that i teach people and, um, and, you know, that's kind of where that's the foundation. That's yeah. how I start people. And the off. regulation bit is, you know, in order, like you said, in order to look at the deeper stuff, there needs to be the regulation first, right? 
because if there's no regulation and you're just like totally overwhelmed and um or the other way where you're like you know so depressed and unable to move do you know what I mean that it's very very difficult in those states to do the deeper work isn't it yeah it's impossible for most people um and so there's a piece about this that i teach in the program i just i just this is like central to my work in general it's about you you have to learn actually there's a video on purpose goals and vision Mm -hmm. so part of the process psychologically is that you get to develop a new vision for your life and you get to develop a new vision for who you can be beyond who you've been accustomed to being because you you can't like the thing that's also challenging too, is you can have all the tools and strategies, but if you don't know where you want to go and you can't see beyond the circumstance that you're in, then it's going to loop back because the brain needs some sense of uh, certainty and familiarity Otherwise, like that's the, the ego identity, like you're, 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 you know, it needs some sense of certainty. Mm-hmm. It can't just be floating around without any kind yeah. of anchor. So we create new anchors. Mm-hmm. So you have something solid, some structure that you can stand on. And then we start to teach about how to envision your life beyond where you are so so the energy the momentum of energy can be redirected from self-sabotage into self-productive habits and that that's the quickest way to help people transform yeah i love that because i think like people are coming from a space of like the anchor is in the past the anchor is in the past it's in the trauma it's in the emotional wounds right or or the addiction the thing like this whatever the thing is is actually the anchor itself yeah so there's got to be a pathway hasn't there you're right yes and people find that quite people from my experience can find that quite challenging actually you know that space of okay well my life has been addiction or um my life has been stuck in trauma and you know right. it's so important to create that space around it to to move towards that i mean what i find though in the work that i do is that there needs to be a certain level of processing before somebody is able yeah. to move to that space i don't know whether you found yes. that as well but you know that it's kind of if i started i guess like saying that at the beginning of a piece of work that I do with somebody, it feels very, very, um, it feels like it's not really a possibility at that time for that person. And then as things are processed, as things are shifted and moved, you then enter this space of, oh, wow, there's like a future. What is that going to, what can I choose? You know, where am I going? Yeah, like there's always a process, right? So everything takes time. And, and you know, here's another interesting fact about dopamine. It, it also controls your time perception. Mm-hmm. Your perception of time, whether it's slow or it's fast or it's past or it's future, is largely controlled or it's least influenced by dopamine. So, for example, 
if somebody's dopamine levels are really low, then they tend to overestimate how long something is going to take. If their dopamine levels are really high, like if you're taking a lot of coffee or stimulator, or you're just really excited, Mm -hmm. like really just like, say you go to a personal development seminar, right? You're super ramped up. Your dopamine's really high. You tend to underestimate how long something takes. So with social media addiction, where does dopamine sit with that? Is it like the higher, it's the higher levels of it? It really depends. It really depends. For most people, it's kind of just lulling them to sleep mm. because they don't, you know, unless you're like an influencer, or you're like really, it, it has some kind of purpose yeah. tied to it. Say it's making money or it's like you get a lot of attention mm. from it. If there's some kind of purpose business aspect built into it, then that's when it can actually, you know, that's when it becomes a bit more of a slippery slope for most people that are just, they're more passively taking it and it's more of a medication. Yes. Anything. The other thing I wanted to ask you was, you know, in that process of like, I guess abstinence from something, having a break from it, building time away from it. The biggest challenge is the self-discipline around that, right? So everybody has this good intention of, okay, I'm not going to look at my phone. I'm not going to look at my phone from, um, I don't know, 8 p.m. until uh, 9 o'clock the next day or whatever it is. But then you get caught up in the dopamine loop again, right? Like, how do you develop? So even say after the program as well, right? How are people supported or how can they support themselves to lead themselves? Because it's self-discipline and self-leadership, isn't it? Around that. I mean, I know for me that it's like, definitely I've been more, there has been, I've kind of taken more of that, role in myself of how do I lead myself across all aspects of life including use of my phone boundaries around work all of those things so because for me it's like a mission you know or it's something that I'm working towards for my future vision of how I want to be like like you know like you said about reading I'd love to read more and I can definitely have I've definitely felt the effect over years of um finding it very difficult to concentrate even though I've done years and years in education and I could focus on it in those spaces when it comes to reading a book for pleasure you know it's something that I actually do struggle with and that probably says something about my dopamine levels but what but what do you do around like the self-leadership bit, the self-discipline part, when maybe you've been, you've never had that. Do you know what I mean? A lot of people don't know how to be um, disciplined with themselves across so many different aspects of their life, with food, with exercise, not just social media, with so many different things. So where do you start with that piece? Um, Just like I do with everything else. I don't assume that anyone's any less capable than another person. Um, so, so within the program itself, there's a, there's a, a group support aspect. So everyone that does the program, there's a, there's a support group aspect of it and that's ongoing. 
um, and that never ends. And then within the program, there is there's 30 videos that actually are on all sequential topics. So not only is there a 30-day PDF protocol, which is in-depth, it's a lifestyle protocol essentially, but then there's 30 videos on very different, on a lot of different topics, a lot of things that you've brought up already that I address mm -hmm. in, in video format to help unpack these things and provide people with insights with my own life wisdom that I've learned, and then also with tools so people can help navigate the daily mm -hmm. process. But within the, so within the PDF protocol, one of the things I did was I talked about a, is creating a, creating a framework for your waking and sleeping cycles. Cause yes. this is really where it's going to play the most is that when you wake up in the morning, you, the last thing you want to do is check your phone. Mm -hmm. In fact, what you should do is before you go to sleep, about a, at least an hour before you plan to go to sleep, turn your phone on airplane and turn the Wi-Fi internet off in your house. Mm -hmm. Just shut that off completely so now your brain can start to turn the lights off, maybe dim the lights or have candles are great because maybe you can go into a meditation yes. practice. Yeah. You can start down regulate your system in like a ritual yeah, create absolutely. a ritual of going into sleep instead of just like treating it like you're just gonna sleep and wake up and it's no big deal it is a big deal actually how you prepare for sleep is is mm -hmm. huge now when you wake up in the morning you don't have an alarm now some people might say oh i need to get to work and this kind of thing fine train yourself so so then this is a, a this is a process. It's interesting because I um, used to have an alarm when I was in employment, you know, in working for people. And since starting my own business, I don't, I don't ever use an alarm. And it's, it's amazing how your body just knows. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You have to, you have to train your, you, you, your body will self. -adapt. Yes, and I trust that. Um, also, that I'm never gonna, I that I'm not going to oversleep you know my son needs to get to school but I, I know I'll always wake up on time so it's so it's so interesting right. isn't it yeah absolutely mm -hmm. and so having a morning practice is essential because yes. that that's the anchor yeah. that we're talking about what I'm talking about is these are anchor points to create consistency so your brain knows what to expect and so, you know, in the in the program, I go over a whole a whole framework on how to create an optimized morning schedule that's simple, it's easy, it's not this whole, you know, this whole like biohacking thing. It's actually just very simple anchors mm -hmm. like meditation, breath work, journaling, hydration. Hydration yeah. is so key and no one talks about it. These just like simple things movement whatever it may be and these are all things that you can selectively add in i'm not telling you yes. what you should do but i'm going to give you options and mm -hmm. creating creating space in your morning to start anchoring your energy rooting your energy into your body and then and then taking the next step you know through the day and what ends up happening is now all of a sudden you create structure and organization in your day and so your your body's energy is structured and organized instead of being overstimulated, yeah. scattered, chasing this thing, this thing, this thing, that mm. thing. Um, it, it's 
of course, it's a process and it's not easy the first time you do it. But as you practice this, you will get better, you'll get more comfortable, and then you'll eventually learn to love it. Because ultimately, the problem with addiction energetically is that people's energy is not focused. Yeah. It's scattered yeah. all over the place. And so that's the, the pain pleasure yes. thing. We get of pleasure, but then it creates pain. And then we're trying to medicate the pain with more pleasure. Mm. And we keep back and forth and we need to get yes and I can so like you know I when those days where I have when I get up I do like a 20 minute 30 minute like meditation breath work practice I make a beautiful drink for myself I you know I kind of look outside connect with the you know with what is around me without the phone the whole setup of the day is completely different I know, I know, notice that my mind is centered, my purpose and my, my purpose is rooted in, my focus is rooted in, I know what I need to do for the day. Whereas the times where you start with the phone, you know, where you do all of that, that kind of mindless um, stuff, there's such a difference in the day in terms of your yeah. the scatteredness yeah. of your brain, um, which, yeah, I love like, yeah, I love everything that you've shared. It just, it makes so much sense. And where can people um, find you? What's your Instagram tag and your website um, so that people can link up with you, follow you and to find out more about your 30 day dopamine reset program as well? Awesome. Yeah, well, Instagram, it's um, it's Ronnie under dash Landis. So Ronnie Landis, easy to find mm-hmm. me there. Um, Facebook as well. And Instagram is probably the easiest way to connect with me. And um, I have a YouTube channel as well. So just look up Ronnie Landis. And then uh, my website, I'll give you the website to the dopamine reset. It's HHP. So like holistic high performance. Mm-hmm hhphealth.com forward slash dopamine okay amazing it sounds amazing and you are so knowledgeable so so knowledgeable but you've I feel like you've shared everything in a accessible way because I know like I said you know sometimes this kind of information where you're talking about the biology of things it can just go over people's heads and yeah. it's you know it's so important for this to be accessible um because otherwise you know there's that missing piece of information that's crucial actually as to what is going on and why it's important to to start your day and end your day in those ways and yeah that there's a deeper reasoning behind it so thank you so so much for sharing all your wisdom your gifts and um, yeah, I'm sure we will connect again in the future for sure. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Wow, what an amazing, insightful, knowledgeable episode. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in. And I really hope that this episode serves you well. If you enjoyed it, feel free to share it on your social media. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And I will see you next time for another awesome episode.